And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Just sitting here drinking my coffee. <laughs> Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso here with Danny Ratliff for the Real Investment Show, Certified Financial Planners Squared. We hope you have something exciting or at least maybe restful planned for Memorial Day weekend. You think the rain has stopped? Danny, is the rain over yet? No, it's not over. Rain's not over yet? <clears throat> Cold front coming through. We'll have... A day and a half of nice weather and then more rain. When's the nice weather? Because I'm going to Galveston tomorrow. <laughs> I hope this nice weather. Sunday, Monday, hopefully you, you're there till then. Oh, I don't like when it rains on holidays. As Brent always posts funny stuff for us to share with you, <clears throat> the real gas shortage is going to happen when it finally stops raining and the entire state of Texas mows their lawn at the same time. Although I do see people with electric mowers, and I'm like, what is that? (laughs) What is that? Speaking of electric, why wouldn't it be anything but for the market this morning? It's like a broken record, Danny. Futures are up. Futures are up. Um, I I think, again, we... uh, Markets want to close the the week on a high note. It's been a good week overall. Hopefully, the Nasdaq can catch up. So we have the Dow futures up 184 points, S and P 17, Nasdaq 59 points. As we still go through the little bit of a honeymoon of spending, spending, spending. We saw that in some of the numbers yesterday, and we have personal spending out today. I have a feeling it's going to be. Well, it's 4.2% in March. We'll see what it's going to be. We'll see how long this this honeymoon continues. I think they're expecting inflation to pick up 2.9%. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you have numbers. Personal income should be higher, assuming that, you know, people still receive stimulus checks. I think that, um, you know, people felt good. But if you look at the consumer confidence, it did start to drop just slightly. And future expectations were actually down a little bit more than expected. And I think that's, you know, we talked about this on the show a couple of days ago. A lot of that's probably due to no, no more stimulus checks, at least on the horizon for the moment. And oh, you know, a lot of those states who are cutting off that federal unemployment. Yes. Yeah, the additional benefits. Oh, just wait, Danny. More checks are coming. Oh, I'm sure they are. <laughs> you got to keep in mind that, that there's a s- staggering staggering $6 trillion spending plan that is going to be released. I thought it was a, they're calling it a budget plan. <laughs> it's a budget breaker. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. It's a, like, wait a second. It so is, is the first budget, but that's some budget. Yeah. Um, now, I will tell you that um, this is uh, going to be $1.52 trillion in discretionary spending for the military, domestic programs, funding for education, healthcare, research, and renewable energy. Um, so it's next, ta- next decade of spending. Um, 
family leave, universal preschool, you name it. The land of milk and honey continues to flow. And I will tell you, the market will love it. And the market will love it because it's just going to be more. I mean, obviously, we don't have any idea how, how much of this goes through. It's a grand plan. But um, just the word spending <laughs> is enough for markets to feel really, really good. It's on a double sugar high. Imagine when you were a kid, Danny, when you were a kid. I don't know what your mother did because, I mean, my, my parents weren't a shining example of dietary, um, you know, a dietary regimen that worked. But, like, if I did something good, I'd get a box of, you know, I, I wouldn't have one donut. I'd get the box of donuts. And, um, <clears throat> or I'd get the box of cupcakes. It was she always— was just so happy you did something good. I was so—but I—and I was happy to eat all those donuts yeah. or all those cupcakes. Um, but you know that buzz in your head you got as a kid from the sugar high? That's what this market has, right? You got monetary stimulus, fiscal stimulus. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you as an investor should throw your rules away of taking profits and watching for exits— but uh, for now, it's still this overall honeymoon phase of things. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's grandiose. I will, say so. I will say about this plan. Well, it's, uh, there's, I think that we we're looking at uh, an unprecedented amount of spending, which we've been in for years. Right. I mean, this is going to be the most we've seen since, you know, budget deficit since World War II. From a spending perspective, and, and it continues to increase. I mean, every day we hear about a new plan. Obviously, infrastructure bill uh, at 1.7. Republicans came back with one at, uh, you know, just shy of one trillion. So, um, you know, 800 and some odd billion dollars. It's still quite a bit of money. Yeah. But it needs to be more thoughtful. Probably a little bit more strategic in the in the aspect of where the funds actually go. So right now, you know. Only a very minimal part of this actually goes towards infrastructure. And, you know, Republicans are saying that we need to actually look at, you know, okay, what is real infrastructure? What does that truly mean? And then what about the human capital infrastructure of, you know, sending resources to people, which we've been doing? Right. But is it truly human capital? I could even make that argument. Or is it just giving money away? Because we're not well, investing almost, in people per se. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, like there's financial alchemy on the corporate side, right? Instead of capital expenditure. Maybe I do corporate buybacks, right? I boost yep. dividends or whatever it is. So am I really, am I, what kind of human capital am I really expanding upon if I'm just sending out checks? In other words, I don't even know. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to go through this, this Biden proposal. If there's anything about really retooling um, how adults get educated, mm -hmm. vocational school training, right? Well, that's the problem. Uh, I don't. I don't see that there's there's not a ton of that in there. It's mainly giving money away. Yeah, it's, it's just building up these programs. Correct. Yeah. Without maybe really bolstering ways for people to take the initiative on their own with some help from kinds from training that's obviously needed. Especially if you're going to have this new economy. Obviously, Ford has made some major strides in electric vehicles. Right. You've seen it reflected in the stock and the upgrades. Yep. Um, and that's something we do own in the portfolio. We do that, and, uh, yeah, in and the it's portfolio. funny, you know, as yeah. we've done reviews, you know, kind of uh, if somebody's going to pick on a stock, it seems like it had been Ford. And, you know, we said, hey, you know, we're, we're invested in this because here's the reasons. And it actually came to fruition this well, week, because which is we, really nice. Because we were saying this is an actual automobile company 
this but this has value and they are bit they have been working on the EV real technology they're yeah. not out there tweeting crazy stuff all right the, even though i give elon musk credit for certain things he does uh my the jury is i if i had to if i had to be forced to buy an electric vehicle i would buy a ford over a tesla because i just think there's more time going into being an automobile company um so obviously the stock looks way ahead of itself and obviously this is not a recommendation to buy it but a lot of changes going on in a new economy that people were going to need to be trained for and to danny's point it's nowhere yet to be seen in this spending we get back we want to talk a little bit about the trends in life insurance i'll tell you this will not be boring you want to hear how it's going to save you taxes we'll be right back on Financial Fitness Friday, The Real Investment Show. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. You could be one of the 7 in 10 people requiring long-term care in your lifetime. Are you prepared for nursing home care costs averaging more than $7,600 a month? Our next virtual lunch and learn will cover the management of long-term care expenses that could make or break your retirement. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for the basics of long-term care. Long-term care. Register at realinvestmentadvice.com for our virtual lunch and learn on long-term care. June 24th at noon. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Listen, what I find exciting, you will not. Maybe. I am finding watching Yellowstone to be very exciting. I waited and I waited and I waited and I waited because I didn't want to get hooked and it was, it's too late. It's just too late. Right, Brent? You know how it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big Kevin Costner fan. Um, so the other things that excite me are books. History is always cool. Reading a good book on the Shawnee Trail for a new script I'm outlining. Very exciting before the Chisholm Trail. I tell you, I was born at the wrong time. But Danny's got that whole general, get that whole general look. I've got I the see look. See you riding in the Shawnee Trail. Okay, rustling cattle, rustling cattle. Um, I'd probably have a lot more hair and sleep more <laughs> than you do now. Yeah, you'd be sleeping with all the uh, with all the uh, Indian tribes and all. You'd be sleeping more. Even on the trail than yeah, you would now. So. Than you would now. So. Um, the other thing is, I do get excited about life insurance, and I don't know why. I think it's because I've retrained my mind to think about what it means for families when we're gone. So as opposed to looking at my own mortality, it's a way for me to look forward to or help people look forward to not creating distress and angst for the people that they leave behind, which is also part of your legacy, by the way. People talk about leaving a legacy 
from simple to very complicated to very um, grant, you know, these this this beautiful things that people do, naming buildings. But what about if you just took care of your family? I think that would be a very cool legacy overall. So now, interestingly enough, this was in the Wall Street Journal this morning. U.S. households from a range of incomes are buying life insurance than more life insurance than years past. So you look at the number of life insurance policies, Danny, sold, jumped 11% in the first quarter from a year earlier. Obviously, uh, as the um, people looked at the deaths related to COVID and understood this, that it led many consumers to buy coverage. So it's always been talked about the the average death benefit being 270,000. So this is showing that you're seeing sales across all income distributions, not just because people say, well, you know, you got to be wealthy to own all this life insurance. That's why you should only go for term insurance. Well, term insurance has a place. And it's funny, term insurance is so inexpensive and or offered, say, through your employer. And yet I find a lot of young families sort of don't go for it. Like they're afraid to do it. And I don't understand. 30 bucks a month. If you're healthy, what you're going to get, and that is going to serve you well in the beginning of your careers where cash flow is not what it's going to be maybe in 20 and 30 years. And you can fund something called a permanent life policy, right? It's a whole life policy. It's a different animal. It's insurance on steroids. There's not just an insurance component to it. There's a savings component to it. Now, Danny, we talked about this, what Lance did on Candid Coffee. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? So, and, and then we got a lot of questions that came in after about, you know, you know, Lance keeps talking about whole life and, you know, permanent life insurance. And a lot of financial pundits are against it. And I will tell you why. The, their version, the overall panacea for them is stocks. Stocks and every solution out there, the stock market will take care of. There is nothing else. And if you're going to be holistic and most important, be a fiduciary, you're not just going to sell life insurance either. You're going to plan it and program it in a comprehensive financial analysis or plan. Correct. So we're whole life can come in and there's more and more academics on the financial side that embrace it. Well, and, and broaden that real quick. So it's not yeah, just okay. whole life, it's permanent life insurance. Permanent so it be a, life, a not just whole life is a version of variable it. universal life. There's, there's permanent policies that are going to allow you to accumulate cash and have that death benefit. Now, yes. we use these two in tandem. I think it's very important to, to keep that in mind as well. Yeah. Where many people, will, it's one or the other. I mean, if you look at you know, some of the, the financial pundits out there, they are only term. Or you look at some people, they're only you know, some type of permanent policy. And you know, I know plenty of people who they do it to sell something, and that's it. They're doing it for a commission to make money. That's where a lot of these things get a bad rap. They do, and they're not explained, right? So, well, they're not part of a bigger, broader plan. So right. how do you that's know... Right you know, what you exactly need if you're not truly backing into the numbers and looking at the big mm-hmm. picture, which many times they're not. They're saying, oh, well, here's exactly what you need. Just like long-term care, somebody will say, well, right now it costs $7,000 for you to be in a nursing home each month. That's, so you Brent. Need, That's Brent saying that. Now. So you need $7,000 a month right now, but not looking back and saying, well, wait a second. Okay, you already have Social Security. 
you already have this pension. You already have this other income. Right. So if maybe you, we don't need the whole amount. We need to subsidize. That's right. Same thing goes for, for the life insurance aspect. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. And what Danny's saying, too, is term has a term. When Haley was in college, <clears throat> well, she's still in college, but when she, she and I still have a term policy, um, this is for when she's finally out of school, if she's ever going to be out of school. But that was the cheapest thing for me to do. There's a term to it, and then it ends. Correct. Right? It goes away. And that's pure insurance, right? That's that is risk mitigation. That's risk mitigation, cheap way to do it, perfect for a lot of young people. But there's eventually I might want to hand the baton to permanent life insurance. And think of it permanent life insurance as a an, um, think of that those words printed on a big, white letters on a big black umbrella. Underneath that umbrella, to Danny's point, I've got whole life, which might pay me a fixed rate of interest. There was a point the whole life cash well was paying like 6%. Yeah. I don't know what it is today. It's not that. And then there's universal indexed life, and that is a variable policy that allows you to participate in markets and, and so forth. And I like that kind of policy. And you can fund it through lump sum, and you or you can fund it through monthly premiums. You know, the biggest drawback, Danny, is what they mean by permanent. This is going to be till age 100. I mean, this is insurance for the rest of your life. There's going to be a point where if you're paying enough into it, you may not have to pay premiums anymore. But what I find is when young people start on permanent life insurance, first of all, the premiums are much bigger. So you can't get as much death benefit. And if you have kids, you need death benefit more than anything else. Not only that, your cash flow fluctuates. And if I've got a $400 a month life insurance bill as opposed to $35, I might might just forego the policy, right? I, I might... I may never pay on it again. And then I have no life insurance. So there's a point where term passes the baton to permanent. But to your point, which is so important, how do I know? First of all, I need a life insurance element. I need, I need to want to leave this legacy. Correct. To either family, charity. So the life insurance intent, when it's permanent, can do different things. Right, because it's not really necessarily getting the kids through college; they're maybe off on their own already. Maybe it's to pay estate tax. Maybe it's to leave a legacy to grandchildren. Maybe you know there, there's going to be different needs for that permanent life insurance when you're 40 to 60 years old. Um, that you did that you you had different reasons for owning Correct. term early on. Um, well, and here's a couple caveats. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's let's use, you just gave an example, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, look at my family. I've got three small children. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of insurance through work that I knew some of that wasn't going to be transferable or portable is what they call it. When you left your old When I left, yeah. yep. And so I had a, a, a large policy because I knew when we first started having children that we were likely going to have a, you know, a couple. So <laughs> when, you mean, when, you, when you said large policy, was that outside of... Outside of it. You, so, you, so, so that's that point, smart. So that if you knew you couldn't transport it, you knew you had another policy because a lot of correct. people just get insured through their employer. And correct. then once they, if they leave their employer or get fired, they don't have that insurance and they may not get insurance. So you made sure that you had insurance outside. Correct. Very while smart. I was younger, I too. while I it was too. cheaper. And yep. I did it for long enough knowing that I probably have a 10-year window of, of having kids, right? At, at most, because we waited a while to have children. And so I thought, okay, let's do this for 30 years. 
because I want to make sure that I can cover, um, God forbid something happens to me, that my, my wife, the kids are taken care of, um, education is taken care of, that there's not a huge, um, you know, they don't have to deal with already, you have the emotional impact of things happen, of missing somebody, right? But financially, they should be secure. So you mean through the... I hope she's not listening because you know, if something happens this weekend, you guys will know why. Yeah. Now she knows. Your okay. youngest gets through... You can... Gets through college. Through gets college the, yeah. and know that this is what I want to pay for, right? Correct. And you could say, I want to make sure that the kids are, are uninterrupted. My wife's taken care of, right? And then that insurance is going to end. Correct. At a and, certain point. And so yeah. at that point, you need to think, okay, well, who's the beneficiary? Is, is my wife or the kid's beneficiary? Do you set it up into a trust so that you can have more control? Mm -hmm. And so these are things that you need to start thinking about when you're looking at this. Now, let's take it one step further. Now, like what Rich was mentioning was, okay, we're going to look at a permanent policy. So do I want a permanent policy to have tax-free growth and distributions that I can take down the road? Yes, that's, a, that's one aspect. I also want a, a permanent policy. So... We can cover, like Rich was saying, you can leave that legacy because we know that in 30 years from the time that that term policy started, that's disappearing. Now, you may do a term for 10. You may do one for 20. You may do it because of many different reasons. Um, you know, you can, that's, a, that's the neat thing about them. They're much more attainable. They are cheaper, um, and they're, they can fit that purpose. So I won't need that forever. But now we start talking about the estate tax problem. Yes. We're talking about the other issues that you can mitigate by having that permanent policy. Also, the ability to take cash-free distributions, not impact the Social Security taxation, Medicare, premium surcharge. I mean, the list well, goes on and on. We're going to talk right? about it on the other side, but to your point is we can graduate Correct. from the term to the permanent. And we'll go through some of a little bit what you can, Danny alluded to, what you can use it for. It's not just for the death benefit there is a living one as well when we return here to financial fitness friday on the real investment show Real Investment Show. You could be one of the 7 in 10 people requiring long-term care in your lifetime. Are you prepared for nursing home care costs averaging more than $7,600 a month? Our next virtual lunch and learn will cover the management of long-term care expenses that could make or break your retirement. Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for the basics of long-term care. Long-term care. Register at realinvestmentadvice.com for our virtual lunch and learn on long-term care. June 24th at noon. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. You see, you need a plan to figure out how much life insurance you need through different phases of your life. And some will say, well, there's a phase where I don't need it anymore. And that's, that's true. I might not. But what if I do want to leave maybe enough to, I don't want my family, I want my family to be comfortable, but I don't want, I want to make sure they still go out there and do, they have motivation to do other things, right? Just want to make their lives a little bit easier at, 
if I if I buy permanent life insurance and my children are grown and maybe I have grandchildren, I have great cash flow. And guess what I'm doing now? Think about it. I'm maxing out all my plans. I'm, I'm a good saver, right? So I have great cash flow. I max out my retirement plans. I've got my emergency reserve. I do everything right. And I go, gosh, where else can I save money and protect myself against taxes? Now, I could put my money into an annuity. But when I take money out of my annuity, that's taxed as ordinary income, right? All the earnings are taxed as ordinary income if I'm doing it with after-tax dollars. Well, explain that because so, I think this is a very important point. Yeah. Because the annuity is going to give you that tax deferral. So if you put IRA funds into an annuity, it's going to be mm -hmm. taxed the same way that the earnings of after-tax dollars in an annuity would be because all those earnings are going to come out and they're going to be considered ordinary income. Now, granted, you have your cost basis, which you can you can distribute without paying that taxes, the taxes on that portion of the funds. So, but a great point, Rich. I mean, something that you need to, to consider. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with annuities because annuities can be longevity insurance. We're going to talk about in the last segment, Social Security and why delaying Social Security claiming is more important than ever. Um, it's, a, it, you know, an annuity that is there to provide not tax deferral, but more a distribution over your lifetime can work because you can't outlive the money. That's what an annuity is. Social Security is an annuity. Now, if I want to say, for example, and I just had a client to do this, um, a policy with a face value. Not, I mean, it was like $700,000 face. Mm -hmm. And we run an analysis and we figure he, goes, he wants to fund more than the premium. He's got money all above his plan. He goes, Rich, I've got like extra money every month, but I want to save. What do I do? Well, yeah, you can go to a traditional brokerage account, but do you have a legacy intent, right? How much? Let's get it into the plan. He wants, he wants to leave 600000 700000 to his family. Okay, great. Now, but I also want to overfund this. In other words, if my premium is $1,000 a month, how much can I put more into this? Because whatever else I put into this is going to go into this, to Danny's point earlier, this, this bucket, this bucket, and this bucket is going to be, if you say, for example, if you're in universal index life, it's going to go into all these different, or you can, this different sleeves. You want to take participate in the returns on international, domestic, uh, qualitative, quantitative, whatever it is. Um, and I'm hoping over time, my cash value is going to grow. Now, permanent life insurance is more expensive than term. Term is cheap. Term is there to provide you the pure benefit of insurance. Permanent life insurance, I have a dual purpose. I want to leave money behind, but guess what else I might want to do? In my distribution years, when I'm trying to recreate my retirement paycheck and I want to cobble together a tax-efficient way to do it, I want to take some money from my Roth. I want to take some money from my pre-tax accounts. But guess what else I can do? I could take policy loans against my permanent life insurance bucket of money, if I, especially if I've overfunded it. So life insurance, permanent life insurance has two legs. That, to Danny's brought this up earlier, if I take some money out of this, and again, you want to run the numbers to make sure you're not taking too much, you still have your life insurance intact, you're hopefully still getting growth, what's your policy loan rate, whatever it is, you don't have to pay this loan back, by the way, 
right? It just reduces the death benefit. Um, but think about this. Maybe, so we ran this analysis and we figured that he's going to take in 20 years, he's going to take like five, $700 a month, $800 a month out of this policy. And that money is going to be part of his income stream of all this other diversified income stream he's going to have. And Danny brought it up. This flies under the radar. This doesn't create federal tax. This doesn't add to the Social Security issue of taxation. It doesn't add to the IRMA charges for Medicare. Um, it is completely tax-free. And very and so it's a great way to, over time, create a very tax-efficient income stream of money. But most important, two most important things. One, you need to have a life insurance intent. If you absolutely are against having life insurance for your family when you're gone or a charitable intent, then why would I have this policy? I yeah. mean, there is a death benefit to it. You don't buy people. What I find, and you probably find too, Danny, is insurance salesmen sell this as an investment product. This is life insurance. This is not an investment. It has an investment leg, but it is not an investment. Right? It is life insurance. But it gives you the best of both worlds if you use it holistically in your plan. And more financial academics are now touting the benefits where they didn't before That's right. of permanent life insurance, especially as they see possible increased Medicare costs, increased IRMA charges, and just people don't retire and fall to the lowest tax bracket anymore. Well, that's right. Um, and then potential for increased taxes down the road as well. Right. I mean, we continue to talk about, you know, what the current tax scenario looks like right now. That could continue to change. Oh, based on it this. It will evolve. <laughs> yeah, $6 trillion, on- <laughs> hey. It's going up quickly. But, you know, so we do have, go to realinvestmentadvice.com. We have written articles on it, type yes. in life insurance in the search bar. Um, I've written some where we actually dissect and kind of go into each different types. You know, there, it can be confusing, right? Because when you get to a permanent policy, Rich, there's lots of moving parts now. Now we yes. need to be considered of, if you want to use it for some cash value. What does that loan look like? They actually credit the funds that you have in the account, even when you take distributions out. We want to use some arbitrage to make sure that you're not paying a big interest fee uh, while you're taking these distributions because you don't intend to pay it back. Right. You want to make sure you're not going to correct. Yeah. So, so we want to make sure that we can net that out. Yeah. You also need to be be careful, right? Some have Some policies will have much longer guarantees from a, a life insurance perspective, even when you're taking distributions. But Typically, those policies also have a lot more downside risk, so they have to have those guarantees associated with it. That'd be like a variable policy. You also have the, you also have the fixed index, which are going to give you, you know, mm-hmm. downside protection, but allow you to participate to the upside. But they may cap you, so you need to understand right. what that looks like. Then, obviously, the whole life, which is not going to have as many moving parts, but it's going to have more of a defined, you know, premium that you're going to pay. Where some of the other ones may be a little bit more flexibility towards it. Than others, right? Absolutely. And keep in mind, some people will actually use permanent life insurance riders for long-term care. Um, maybe they can't qualify for the draconian underwriting of long-term care, and yet they still want to participate in benefits. Um, they can attach that to their whole life, but you have to understand Insurance should not be sold to you. It should be 
planned with you. It's very different, very different. And that's why insurance, annuities get a bad rap because they're sold to people and they're never looked at again. People don't understand how they operate. Okay? Yep. And, and so there, there's lots of moving parts. If you guys have there questions, are. you know, spend time on this. Do it within a plan, I think is the main thing. Right, Rich? Absolutely. I um, mean, do your homework. Ask us any questions. But just don't, just because uh, some famous financial pundit is against annuities because their agenda, is, or life insurance, because their agenda is stocks and bonds are the hammer for every nail problem. Correct. Okay. <laughs> that, I mean, it is. I Everybody's mean, stocks cover everything. You know, stocks do everything. They're the most important thing in the world. There's nothing else out there. That's the greatest injustice to you. Um, but it has to be done properly. So, um, yeah. So, so speaking of questions, we, do, got a question. we do have mm. a question. So uh, go to our YouTube channel. If you guys have questions, we answer these live. We're interactive here. Is Lance um, harassing everybody? No, not today. Where are Lance, you, Lance? He must be sleeping in. No way. Yeah. What's, what's going on? We should probably do a welfare check. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Uh, you know, what's happening here? Where'd he go? So, um, we have a, we have a listener who wrote in says, what about rolling over an old 401k or IRA into a permanent policy? And this is actually a really common question. Unfortunately, the IRS does not allow for you to roll over your retirement funds mm -hmm. into a life insurance policy. However, if you're a business owner, sometimes you can do it within a defined benefit plan. A profit sharing plan may allow for it. Uh, but what most people have, we can't go and roll a 401k or, move an IRA and, and buy permanent policy. This is actually one of those things we probably wouldn't want to do anyways, because we talk about that tax-free distribution. Correct. It would nullify that too. So, you know, when we, we, we look at these for different reasons, one's that tax-free distribution that you can get the income aspect. The other is obviously the death benefit. It would it would void that. So um, yes. great question. Continue really asking them. If you guys have any, go to the, the Real Investment Show on YouTube. We will answer live, hopefully on the show. If not, we'll get back to you in the chat box. So uh, thanks for joining. We'll be right back after this quick break. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com you could be one of the seven in ten people requiring long-term care in your lifetime are you prepared for nursing home care costs averaging more than seventy six hundred dollars a month our next virtual lunch and learn will cover the management of long-term care expenses that could make or break your retirement join richard rosso and danny ratliff for the basics of long-term care long-term care register at realinvestmentadvice.com for our virtual lunch and learn on long-term care. June 24th at noon. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Ah! 
back. I was just enjoying the music. <laughs> so, retirement income, Social Security. So, when people plan for Social Security and they look at Social Security in the guise of the overall retirement income plan and you take the emotion out of it, we find more people make better decisions when it comes to claiming benefits. Do you know, I've, I know at least four clients off the top of my head, Danny, that has said to me, I'm so grateful you had me wait till age 70 to claim because of the size of the check, cost of living adjustments, and the fact that I can't outlive this income. And what's happening today, okay, when, when the formula for Social Security is completed, it's supposed to be actuarially fair. In other words, just because at 70 you're getting a bigger check, well, it's just because it's really, even though you're getting an 8% delayed retirement credit, say from your full retirement age to age 70, and people would say, well, hey, that's an 8% gain per year. In some ways it is, but in some ways it's really just an actuarial table to say it's it's really just based on how long you might live correct but let me tell you what's happening now the delayed claiming benefit is more than actuarially fair because of longevity so a brookings study found that men in the top 10th 10th percentile of income gained six years in longevity in just 20 years americans have a one in five chance of living to age 95. And if you're in some of the highest incomes and healthy, the probability is about one in two, according to uh, financial academic Michael Fink. So think about this. Social Security is a consumption asset. It's not an investment asset. It's not a break-even asset. How long do I... I have people that will they make the decision to take it early, Danny, even though... You know, listen, some people have to take it early. We know those people. They're not healthy. They need the money, right? There are reasons to take it before full retirement age. But most people can wait. Well, I'm only going to live age 80, so I'm not going to get everything out of the system. Well, first of all, I don't know how you know exactly to the age you're going to live. You're so calm. I mean, I get this a lot. Um, I'm only going to live to 81 anyway. Had it? Well, because my grandma and my grand. Well, listen, how are your habits? You know, like, unless you have some sort of congenital issue, most longevity is based on your lifestyle. You can change a lot of stuff with lifestyle, okay? Especially longevity. That's right. So you have to not only consider your life expectancy, but that of a spouse. And if you are married to a female who maybe didn't pay in as much as you did, women outlive men by at least five years. This is almost like another type of insurance when you look it at it really that is. way, right? It is what we call wage insurance. It protects income or wages that you've paid into. It protects, think about that income or that retirement paycheck. You, that is the insurance for those wages, so it's not a consumption asset. It's a consumption asset. It's because the one question you have to ask yourself is, well, you know, I got to live until age 76. Okay. 
Well, let me, and then, you know, then I didn't get everything out of it. Well, let me, I hate to say this, but you'll be dead. Do you care? Are you going to come back from the grave and haunt somebody at the Social Security Administration? Like, why aren't you more concerned with the question, what if I live? What if I live? Well, that's, 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 and exactly I need right. the money. Or what if my so, wife lives or my, right. my partner? And then, you know, these are it, things you need it, to think about, right? Exactly. Um, um, we also have to keep in mind that through a period of time that I think, and I know I'm looking like an idiot right now, and I always sound like an idiot when I do these things, but when I create Is this these, a common sense idea? <laughs> no. Come. When I create these calculations that I think over the next 10 to 15 years that you're going to get much lower returns on variable assets like stocks and bonds, I always say it, and then the market goes up. Like, it's inevitable. I look like a jerk for the first two to three years that I change my planning software to adjust returns lower. I always look stupid. It never fails. So I'm not talking from year to year. I'm talking over a cycle. If I'm going to get poor returns for stocks and bonds, and Lance talks about this, right? Hey, it's a function of math, right? Wouldn't it be nice to know that during that period where maybe those variable assets are hurting, that I am taking or, get, or have guaranteed income that's higher so that I can let those assets sit. My withdrawal rate maybe won't be as bad um, over time. Social security or any kind of guaranteed income product will pick up the baton and take care of you through that period when you don't have a tailwind to variable assets like stocks and bonds. And I really do think it's, in, it's, not, it's crucial to make this good decision with Social Security, Danny, because what, what I think of returns are going to be over the next decade or so. Um, and take the emotion out of it. Not only that, you might be getting better cost of living adjustments. So this is an income that also will increase. I understand the CPI is manipulated and blah, 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 but it's still going to be better or give you some form of inflation hedge. I think next year, if this keeps up, we might be looking at a cost of living adjustment all close to 5% yep. for you know, Social Security. The, the other aspect of this that, that we hear frequently is people take it early because they say, I'm going to get as much as I can out of it. Right. But then they still have the income coming in from other sources. So if you take it prior to full retirement age, you actually may be paying some of those benefits back. Now you get an adjusted uh, you know, benefit down the road to recoup that, but you may never truly recoup. The other aspect of this is, is that many people are saying, well, what if they're going to cut, they're going to cut our benefits and I need to get as much as I can right now. Well, I, I think you're right. There's going to be some changes. I don't know that they're going to completely cut your benefits. If there's nothing done, yes, there's going to be a reduction in benefits. However, would you want that reduction from a smaller amount or from a larger amount? <laughs> right? Right. I think I want the bigger amount. Me too. Yeah. And, and like someone for like you, I don't know about Michelle, but you do have longevity in your family. Yeah, she does as well. So, yeah. So for both of you, I mean, I, mean, if I still think Social Security will be there. I think I, I personally think delayed retirement age claiming will be 72 versus 70. But again, longevity yeah. is increasing rapidly, especially if, you, if you're a household that makes above the median income uh, in the United States. So I want you to make sure that you're doing the right things when it comes to this, this, uh, this benefit that you get. Um, and again, you've paid into it. I mean, in that way, when people get emotional, hey, listen, I paid into it, I want my money. Yeah, I get it. But I will tell you, 
the story is about, well, if I had it, I would make better decisions. If I had my own money, you know what? You wouldn't have saved it. I'm telling you, you can't find a private annuity. You cannot buy on the marketplace today an annuity that is available to you, the Social Security. There's not one out there. It is the best annuity out there compared to any insurance company uh, that can provide a product. So you could have taken that money. I could have earned, you ever see those memes? Mm -hmm. I could have earned 5% a year and my benefit would have been, but you wouldn't have. Well, would you have actually put those funds aside? Would you have been disciplined enough? Because right now the numbers suggest you wouldn't have. I mean, there's a lot of you out there who are. Yes, absolutely. but, But if you look at the big scheme of things here, I mean, you look what's the average retirement account. I mean, it's like 192,000, but the median's like 60 something. (laughs) At what? At age 60. Yeah, 60, 65. I mean, it is not. um, People are not good savers. I mean, you you guys, you listening to this show and on YouTube, you're the best savers. So I think if we had to relinquish Social Security to you, you'd have made good decisions. But let me tell you, most Most people wouldn't, and you'd be paying for everybody else. So, (laughs) which you, yeah. So, it's it's tough. I had one per. I'll, I always bring this up because it just entertains me so much. But that one person had. I get it with all kinds. You ever get a lot of excuses why people want healthy people want to take it at sixty two? Mm-hmm. Well, because I want to have fun. You know, I want to have the money when I can spend it and have fun, not when I'm old and I can't do anything. Yep. Well, that's the I, number one number one <laughs> reason. I'd ra- right. I'd rather have the money when I'm like I can't really do much of anything and I need cash and people are taking care of me. Uh, and those expenses are going up dramatically, it's nice to know that I can't outlive that that money. So I want the biggest check I can get. So you know what we, and I know you probably do the same thing, I recommend people do. Well, you know, Rich, I need income, and I'm age 66. Well, guess what we're going to do? We're going to take it, we're going to spend down your IRA. While I have a nice little tailwind here short term, from a cyclical perspective, I'm going to pull money from your IRA and let Social Security, that seed, grow for delayed claiming. I started this process, believe it or not, in 2003 and lost clients. I lost clients because I think we have to swap this because years before I was telling people, take Social Security early, right? Take Social Security early and put it into the market which was the common thing that advisors said. I switched it in 2003 and I paid for it. And I still stick to this today. And there'll be a time, no, maybe I won't be here, but Danny will say, Rich, wherever you are down there, we're telling people now to take money out of Social Security and putting it into the market again. So, but for now, please take the Social Security claiming decision seriously and let's remember those on memorial day have a great memorial day celebrate be careful we'll see you next week take care Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.